You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It's another day. Puts us another day closer to, well, the third preseason game, which is on Thursday this week, which is nice. But of course, ultimately, one day closer to the start of the regular season, which is coming quickly. But as for today, want to go through the training camp notes and then do what we did yesterday, looking at uh, the defense over the last two weeks. I'm not exactly sure what happened, if it was um, a lighter workout or if um, all the beat reporters are just getting kind of burned out because the notes have completely dropped off. One of the first notes in here is that it's, you know, the offense is looking rough. It's like, is it? Because you are literally the first person to tweet anything about anything that's going on right now. (laughs) So... If there's stuff going on that makes the offense look rough, I don't know anything about it. But again, starting with uh, Coach LaFleur saying David Bakhtiari is looking good, going to practice again, which sounds like nothing news, but it's not. Um, As they've been saying, they're taking it day by day, which means work them out, see how the knee's doing, and decide if we can do that again or if we need to kind of dial it back. And so the fact that they're putting him right back out again means there was no setbacks with his knee. Um, Jenkins, Tunyon, not quite ready to do team stuff yet, so... Pretty much nothing changed is the bottom line here. Said he thought Christian Watson did a nice job, which doesn't really mean anything, but he said it. The interesting note he did say about Christian Watson is you could feel his speed and his size out there, which is good because, again, assuming that isn't just a flat-out lie, 40 time and play speed aren't always synced. What I want is for a guy to go out in the field and to have everyone go, dang, this suit is fast. Praise Danny Etling a little bit. Mentioned Jones and Dylan are 1A and 1A, so, you know. Two of the premier backs in the league, in my opinion. They could do anything. And then talking about Tyler Davis, he says, quote, we still have a lot of confidence in Tyler and says his value on teams alone is definitely noticeable. He said we haven't lost any confidence in him over two plays, which, I mean, it's been a lot more than two plays, but okay. But again, I this is what I said. They like the guy. They like him a lot. And listen, I, I don't mind if you're looking at him and you're like, listen, this guy, is uh, he's really got something special and we think someday he'll be gr- fine. But don't put him on the field right now because he is a liability. Even if you want to say the interception and the fumble are flukes, okay, he's still a blocking liability. I don't want you to put him on the field. When he learns to play better, you can put him back on the field. But, you know, we got preseason week three coming up. I want to see Jordan Love look good. I want to see a lot of guys doing good things. That's going to be a lot harder to do if he's blocking for our running backs, blocking for Jordan Love, and running routes that other guys like Sal Canella could be running. And just for the record, and obviously PFF is not the ultimate authority on this, but uh, just on the Packers, out of 61 players, they have Tyler Davis 43rd. So PFF has not seen anything remotely impressive. Um, 
via Tyler Davis. Now, he has made a handful of tackles, so maybe that's what they're kind of referring to, as well as has also missed a tackle. But, um, you know, 25 guys have made tackles so far on the team. Anyways, whatever. I'm, it's enough talking about Tyler Davis. Who knows? Maybe you'll have a great week three. It's, let's fingers crossed. Still hasn't made up his mind on starters for the Chiefs game. Says he wants to see how the next couple practices go before he makes his final decision. He said Sunday's practice was not as good as he wanted. Um, would not say which way he was leaning. Uh, Tree Carpenter got back on the field. Missed the last week of the knee injury. And then again, the first tweet that I saw about anything in terms of you know team's work or whatever. Love misreads a throw to Watson and then Dobbs falls to the ground. Some rough moments early for the one-on-ones. And then it says, Jair Alexander wants Romeo Dobbs, the veteran making the rookie work. Jair now on Watson as he tumbles to the ground, Alexander chirping to his young rookies. I love the visual of this. First of all, again, is the confidence factor. You don't get the impression that he's not sure if he's going to win the route. He knows he's going to win. He knows what's going to happen. He's going to beat him down to the ground a little bit. Give him a little bit of humble pie. And he's going to get right in their face about it. Because it's all nice and it's all cute, what you're doing to the other guys and maybe to some of the other backups that we're doing and going up against in preseason. But we're getting close to the regular season. And Jair is uh, going to personally see to it that they understand that there's a long way to go before they end up being anything super special. Noteworthy plays via uh, Mike Spofford. Not Matt Spofford, not Mock Spofford, Mike Spofford. Douglas bumps Cobb off a slant route for an interception. Lazard, high snag versus Nixon. Stokes gets a pass breakup on Hyman. Winfrey contested catch versus Gafford. Watkins beats Thomas for a deep ball. And oh yeah, Alexander is all over everybody. Rookie Zach Tom won a one-on-one rep against Rashawn Gary, beat his bull rush. So Gary went to a speed rush on the next rep and Tom looked like he was in mud. Still, the rookie got one rep. Jair Alexander just said he would, or said he would give Christian Watson the business when he was cleared for one-on-ones. Alexander just took three reps in one-on-ones, two against Watson and one against Dobbs, three incompletions with tight coverage on each. Welcome to the league. Ladarius Hamilton had some nice edge rushes. Jake Hansen held his own versus Lowry in two competitive reps. Kenny Clark is ridiculously explosive. Not a newsflash, but impressive to see up close. Just bowled over Packer center Josh Myers using a left club to knock Myers over. Clark won both of their reps. Good work for the young center. Uh, Yash and Preston did a couple one-on-ones and split their reps. Rodgers gets the defense to jump off sides again in 11-on-11s, then hits Deguara on a nifty zone read concept on the next play. Definitely more energy and spirit in today's Packers practice, which is what Matt LaFleur wanted. Amari Rodgers just took a handoff from Aaron Rodgers in the backfield like a running back. Amari Rodgers could have a Swiss Army knife role in this offense. Could be important if the Packers only keep two running backs. I don't know why... He would think that we would keep two running backs, but whatever. Either way, again, kind of neat that they're experimenting with that. One's ended with a nice quick throw from Rodgers to Watkins. Uh, Jaron Reed, injured during team play, team period, walks off with head trainer Brian Engel, who seemed to be looking at Reed's left hand and wrist. Spoiler alert, he comes back pretty soon and uh, keeps playing. Lowry wrecks a screen with another of his patented pass deflections. Sean Davis is still with uh, Adrian Amos as the number, what would that be, four, I think, safety. Eric Stokes breaks up a pass across the middle to Watson. Aaron Rodgers chucks a ball in frustration after a sack, and now a pass breakup by Stokes versus Watson. There's a part of me that wonders if Aaron Rodgers is getting concerned about 
the offense he's going to be playing with. I mean, I know it's it's because the defense is is quite good, but I also know that if let's just be completely honest, if Devontae was here, a lot of this wouldn't be happening. Those two would just, you know, if things aren't going well, I'm just going to lean on Devontae and they'd just be putting on a clinic. They'd put him over on Stokes and they'd just pick on the guy and be like, ha you guys suck. But it's like every day, the corners are better than your wide receivers. The defensive line is better than your offensive line. You can't run the ball. You can't pass the ball. You just can't do anything. He seems like he's just getting kind of tired of it. And then when the Saints came to town, it's almost like it got worse. So Aaron Rodgers has really not been able to do anything with his offense and be productive aside from maybe day one. Since then, the defense has just been wrecking the offense. Rodgers goes to Watson, but Stokes breaks it up. Razul Douglas is right there to celebrate. The DBs are chirping today. I love that. Those guys are talking so much trash. Two straight sacks for the Packers' defense. Kenny Clark blows Jake Hansen off the line. Careful. The entire defensive line converges on Aaron Rodgers. Then Adrian Amos picks Aaron Rodgers' pass for Christian Watson. Defense is dancing and bobbing to Little John between reps. Straight bringing it today. I'm just reading it. All right, don't don't get mad at me. (laughs) I swear, these guys. Next tweet says that the DBs are all extra spicy. Spofford says um, they're really woofing now. Come on, guys, just say words, all right? Don't try to, like, use slang. Just bullet points. Here's what happened, all right? The commentary is awful. Chirp City from the DBs today. That one's not terrible, but just in general. Ryan Wood says it's not just the plays Packers defense is making. It's the confidence this group oozes every rep. The defense is kicking the offense's... There we go. Um, and it knows it. Haven't seen this since I joined the beat in 2014. This is kind of what I talked about yesterday on uh, Packernet After Dark. Well, two days ago, I guess. It's the confidence factor. It's not just that they're good, it's that they know it, and they make sure that you know it. And Ryan Wood saying, I've been with the team since 2014, and I've never seen this before. It's not a bad sign. Now, again, would there be as much chirping if the offense was a little bit better and was you know, winning at least once in a while? Maybe not. What's going to happen when they go up against an offense that does win once in a while? Maybe there's not going to be as much. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Packers practice moved to the two spot. Jordan Love in the twos and threes versus twos and threes defense. But I can't take my eyes off the south end of the field with Aaron Rodgers and the ones under pressure. Throw away, sacks, drops as one's defense dominates again. Sean Davis at safety. That's a little summary, I guess. Another false start by Tyler Davis on the first play of team period. Rashawn Gary got him to jump. I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is I just want to hear one positive note. That's it. The only thing, again, people are like, he's useless. No, he's not. I wish he was. Useless is just he doesn't do anything. You don't hear his name. The problem is you do hear his name. First rep of the next team rep, first rep of next team rep, false start, Yash Nyman. Packers defense is wrecking practice. Rizul Douglas nearly gets his hands on Rodgers' pass over the middle, but sneaks through and Cobb catches it off of the deflection. Douglas bends over at the waist, puts his hands on his knees, and hangs his head in disgust. Ennis Gaines and Abernathy in with the twos. Cassidy Hill says the number of Packers offense, first and second team procedural penalties today, and then she just puts the sign for infinity. So, again, not good. Mike Clemens says after a break for special teams, Aaron Rodgers reloads in 11 and 11, move the ball. Cobb beats Razul over the middle. Dylan with strong inside zone runs. DeGuara open for check and open for check down, I guess. And first down was Stokes coverage on Lazard deep. This is what I mean, too, about, like, I think guys are just getting burned out and lazy with this stuff. Nobody said anything other than the Cobb pass. Every You know, half the guys said everything about 
Randall Cobb. Nobody mentioned Dylan with some good runs. Nobody mentioned DeGuara. <laughs> Nobody mentioned the Stark Stokes and Lazard play. So, I don't know. Guys are just getting over it. I guess they're bored. Zach Tom truly plays almost everywhere on the Packers' offensive line. He's in at left guard on second unit right now. The rookie has played everywhere in camp except center, where he was a two-year starter at Wake Forest. Rashawn Gary comes free for a sack on Aaron Rodgers and does a couple two-foot stomps right in Rodgers' face after the play is blown dead. Rodgers gives him a pat on the helmet in return. Packers' defense continues to make life difficult for Rodgers and company. Clark deflects a pass at the line of scrimmage, then Gary gets in the quarterback's face to force a throwaway. Packers' offense almost made a play. Amari Rodgers caught a Jordan Love pass over Shamar Jean Charles in the back of the end zone. Nice grab, but one problem, Rodgers was out of bounds. Jordan Love fake handoff, then flips pass to Tyler Goodson in the left flat, who takes it up the sideline for six. Kylan Hill still watching Goodson, Patrick Taylor get all the snaps. Rodgers to Cobb in two-minute drill, a thing of beauty after two incompletions. It's been a day for the defense, but Randall Cobb has had a nice practice. Offense off to a slow start in two-minute with back-to-back incompletions that may have been tipped. Cobb plucks a 14-yard pass on third and 10. Now Rodgers to DeGuara on a corner route. Wes Hodkowitz said, would have been a 45-yard field goal attempt. What do you mean? What field goal? Why are they kicking a field goal? Does that mean he missed the field goal? What are we talking about? Would have been a 45-yard field goal. Why wasn't it a 45-yard field goal attempt? I don't know what we're talking about. Down three, 50 seconds left. Packers offense puts a drive together. Reach the 27 for a field goal. Aaron Rodgers hits Randall Cobb on a perfect slant against Razul Douglas for 14 yards on third and 10 then hit a pair of throws to Alan Lazard for 11 yards and Josiah DeGuara for 10 yards. Love to Watson over Gafford for 26 in two minutes. Heck of a play by Watson to set up a field goal that they're not kicking today. I guess they're just not kicking field goals today. I don't, I don't, again, I don't know what's going on. I did see that we we're working out four different kickers. Maybe the guy's hurt and this is why. I don't know. Matt Schneidman said Christian Watson just mossed Rico Gafford for a big gain down the right sideline on a nice throw from Jordan Love. Put the backup offense in a position for a field goal during the end-of-game scenario period when the offense trailed by two. The thing that I like about that, I think it was the first day of camp, maybe the second day of camp, the first note, I think, of Romeo Dobbs was that he mossed somebody. And then he did it like one or two days later, same thing, he mossed somebody, which is to say he just went up over the guy, snagged the ball, and, you know, that, that's it. That's the whole thing. But just kind of uh, kind of reminds me of that. And here we've got the note. Packers working out Cameron Dicker, Chandler Stratton, Matt Amendola, and Parker White per a league source. Those are the four kickers. Then we got a note on Dominique Daphne. I keep I, I I mentioned we got rid of him, and then everyone's like, no, no, he's coming back. It's this great thing. I'm like, all right. So I mentioned that on the show yesterday or whatever. And um, now I see tight end halfback Dominique Daphne, who played in 15 games, four starts over the past two seasons with the Packers, has reached an injury settlement with the team. He is now 100% healthy and expects multiple teams to be interested in working him out per his agent. So, sounds like he is gone. I don't know. Anyways, a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if this is a... Whatever. Matt Schneidman says, Aaron Rodgers said he tries to have one-on-one lunches with teammates he hasn't yet connected with. Has had a couple with Romeo Dobbs since Rodgers said he wanted to learn his story. Sometimes Rodgers sits alone just to see who will approach. Devontae Wyatt has multiple times to chat. Rodgers told Wyatt, the rookie first-rounder, that he watched a Packers.com video in which rookies said Wyatt was the funniest of the group. Rodgers told Wyatt he hadn't seen it, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Hey, I saw this uh, video where everybody said you were funny. I don't see it. (laughs) 
Doesn't seem funny to me. Anyways, it says, so then Wyatt approached Rogers alone at lunch to get to know him and show his humor. Razul Douglas says, as far as he knows, the plan is for defensive starters to play Thursday versus the Chiefs. Asked if he wants to play, he said, of course. So there you go. There's Razul seems to think that they're playing. Now, who they is, I don't know. I'm assuming that's everybody, but I don't know if Razul even knows that. Anyways, that has us all caught up for now. Um, as things come in, I will update it. But why don't we just take a break right now, and we'll come back on the other side and look at a few other things. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support this year podcast. If you'd like to call in for the Packernet After Dark podcast, 608-501-0718 is the phone number. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we get into looking at the defense, I want to play this for everybody because it is a really good clip of Aaron Rodgers at his locker talking about the two rookies, some really solid nuggets here. I thought he was pretty good yesterday. I thought he was pretty good today. Watson, he's talking about. He cares about it. He comes over and you know tries to get on the same page. And if anything happens, whether it's good or bad, and different. So I enjoy his approach. But he's got, you know, he's got a different skill set. He's a big body who can run, and 
just got to get him a little more consistent, I think, uh, tracking the ball down the field. But he made a nice play in the two-minute uh, right there. So the thing that, that I've seen with him is just mentally the improvement uh, from, from day to day. Yesterday, we did a kind of spur of the moment adjustment in a, in a period, and I told him what to do on the huddle. And it's something he's never done before. And he went out and did it perfect. And it's those little things like that that start to gain that trust and that confidence and, and get you excited about things. Now, Dobbs done a lot of really nice things, but I think the standard for him is not going to be maybe the standard for, for a normal rookie that we've had here in the past, especially in the past, I don't know, four or five years. Um, you know, because he's going to be expected to play uh, based on his performance so far at camp. So we got to hold him to... Uh, to a standard that I know he's capable of reaching. But he cares about it. He's a great kid. He's made some instinctual plays that you just can't really coach. You know, he ran a little, a little uh, you know, uh, in and back out in the game. And at the top of the route, you know, there's a guy right there. And instead of kind of drifting on it and letting the guy make the play, he comes hard back to the ball, strong hands. And that's, you know, he likes seeing those plays. It gives you confidence in him not throwing him that ball. But but it gives you confidence that he's capable of doing some things that might not be on the, on the paper offense. So a couple of interesting things that are a little bit hard to piecemeal together here, but all positive. First of all, Christian Watson, he's very high on, very complimentary. Says he did a good job yesterday, did a good job today. Real fast learner, slowly building trust because I told him one time to go do it, and he did it perfectly. Here's an area where he can improve, but overall, we're very excited about him. But then he goes on to say something that is, I think, surprising a little bit. And it's one of those things where, again, you're getting a peek behind the curtain into what the Packers are thinking, and I'm trying to put it all together. But he says, you know, after being complimentary of Christian Watson, he says, now Romeo's done some nice things too, but we essentially have to hold him to a higher standard because of the way he's playing here. And goes on to say, based on the way that he's been playing, he's going to be expected to play. Now, let's cross a couple real easy bridges here. A couple of things that are very obvious that we do know. Christian Watson is expected to play, at least to a very minor degree. His, his role is, it, there's no chance he's going to be sitting on the bench all, all year. So what does he mean by that? In fact, it's not just Christian Watson who was taken very early in the second round that the Packers essentially viewed as a first-round prospect. But every rookie that's come through the door over the last four or five years, he said. I'm guessing he just means prior to Devontae Adams, or, or since Devontae Adams. We've had rookies play before, and we know Christian Watson is going to play. It sounds to me that what they see in Romeo Dobbs is what all of us have kind of been talking about, which is to say, he looks special. But it's not just in the way that we've been saying it in terms of, you know, He's made some really nice plays, and hopefully it kind of carries over. Da, 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 da. It sounds as though the Packers have made a determination that he really is that good, that everything that we're seeing that we hope is real, the Packers believe is real and believe will carry on in the regular season and believe that he is just absolutely next-level good. Because, again, he's clearly not just talking about he's going to be taking some snaps because obviously that's true. And it doesn't make any sense to say, well, he has to be held to a higher standard than Christian Watson because he's expected to play. Well, so is Christian Watson. What does that even mean? No, he's expected to play a lot and have a very prominent role in this offense. And I'm sure Rodgers is a major part of that, and that's why he's being so hard on Romeo Dobbs. I genuinely believe they're looking at Romeo Dobbs and believe 
he has wide receiver one potential. They know he's not that guy yet, but it's not talent that's lacking. It's, it's the gray matter between the ears. And that's not to say he's dumb, it's just he's a rookie. And so to essentially elevate him to a high standard, well above Christian Watson, the guy that was expected to kind of be that guy that's going to hopefully take a prominent role this year, Romeo Dobbs is above that, at least for now. Because Rodgers basically told us that all the compliments are basically handicapped compliments for Christian Watson. You know, like it's, it's, it's minor things. You know, it's, it's nice, he's kind of growing, you know, all that stuff's great. But it's, it's, it's compliments that you give to a guy that you have low expectations for. Dobbs? Oh no, th- this guy, you know, we talk about the wide receivers every year that come out of college and just take the league by storm. You might have three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that, that really come out of college and are just ready to go and make prominent impacts. I think the Packers know that they have one. And they might be looking at this saying, we might have one of the better ones here. I mean, he even said he, it's a different standard than a normal rookie, period. And listen, I, I genuinely believe when the Packers draft somebody, they have zero expectations for them as a rookie. Now, they're hopeful that they can contribute to some degree, but these are always seen as long-term investments. They have officially crossed that bridge with Romeo Dobbs. He is now on the other side. You are no longer a long-term investment. You are ready right now. And so we have to get you up to speed as quick as is humanly possible. I just want to play that one more time. Now, Dobbs done a lot of really nice things, but I think the standard for him is not going to be maybe the standard for, for a normal rookie that we've had here in the past, especially in the past, I don't know, four or five years, um, you know, because he's going to be expected to play uh, based on his performance so far at camp. Now, if you're able, go find this clip. Matt Schneidman um, put it up. In fact, I'm about to retweet it right now, so you can find it on my retweets. You can go find it on Matt Schneidman's Twitter um, I'm sure it's all over the place. It's already been retweeted 74 times as 500 likes, so it's very popular. But go find that clip and look at Aaron Rodgers' facial expression when he says he's going to be expected, to, or, or based on his performance, he's going to be expected to play. His eyes get as wide as saucers, saying, you know, based on his performance, as if to say, like, you know, from what we've seen, this guy is, you know, just go look at it. And again, it, it, it's a big deal for the Packers to, to move forward in that direction. For Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's, it's not a wait and see. They're not saying, hey, he's been good so far. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll ease him into the season and, you know, we'll give him a couple snaps early. And if he can still kind of do it, maybe by week 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, we'll give him a bigger role, whatever. Rodgers isn't saying we'll see. He's saying right now, today, the expectation is for him to have a prominent role in the offense based on what we've seen so far. That's crazy to me. Zach Cruz on Twitter added this point. He says, 12 has said many times that the expectations need to be reasonable for rookie wide receivers. Romeo Dobbs, based on how well he's played during camp, raised those expectations. Again, they've, they've broken through that barrier. You are no longer viewed as just a rookie with those set of expectations. You've proved you're more than that. Proved it to us. Anyways, let's uh, carry on with the show, shall we? Taking a look at the team overall, first of all, let me just say... Um, it's very clear where the talent is and where the talent isn't. Um, when you sort by position, looking at the Green Bay Packers defense over on PFF, there's a whole lot of green over here on the cornerbacks, and then just above them is a whole lot of red for the defensive linemen. Basically, four out of six cornerbacks, I say basically because Shamar Jean Charles is a 69 overall grade, we'll call that a 70. Four out of six have 70 overall grades for the, for the corners. Four out of six defensive tackles 
are grading in the 20s and 30s. So, not good. Chris Slayton, Jonathan Ford, Akeel Byers, and Devontae Wyatt, 20s and 30s. The highest grade among defensive tackles is TJ Slayton with a 65 overall grade. So that sucks. But let's start with the defensive tackle, shall we? Again, I kind of want to look at the growth over two weeks. We've already talked about Wyatt having a bad day. Akeel Byers only played one week, was not very good. But I want to look at growth and changes. So that only leaves us four guys. We'll start with TJ Slayton because obviously the dude is not going to get cut. His week one pass rush was the thing of legend. Unfortunately, that fell off. His pass rush grade went from a 90 down to a 51. His tackling has been abysmal, 25 overall grade and 25 overall grade. And his run defense went from a 48 to a 59. So, you know, I, I like TJ Slayton. And I, was, I, I had a foot on the TJ Slayton train for a half a second. You know, I was all whipped up in, man, this defensive group is amazing. And then preseason week one, TJ Slayton crushes the guy. And now you look at week two and you got two weeks of bad run defense, two weeks of horrific tackling, and his pass rush falls back off to below average. And suddenly it reminded me that, uh, oh yeah, that's right, he wasn't super great as a rookie. Maybe he'll, you know, take a few strides, which I'm hopeful for and excited about, but I'm certainly not in the, uh, you know, TJ Slayton is going to ruin the world. Mo- uh, mold mode 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 is what I'm looking for anymore. We'll see. We'll we'll call week three the tiebreaker. See how he does. Um, as far as differences from week one to week two, they did kind of shift him around a little bit. Um, they have different kind of different ways to look at uh, alignments and things like that. But on the main page, they've got a gap, b gap, over tackle, and outside. He was split out evenly week one: a gap, b gap, and I think OVT is over tackle. Yeah, over an an offensive tackle. Week two, he was primarily used as a nose. It was almost all A-gap. Do with that information what you will. Jack Heflin, trash bag, trash trash bin full of dirt, I don't know. Went backwards from week one to week two. 68 overall grade down to a 48.7. Run defense plummeted from 66 down to 41. Tackling got a little bit better. Pass rush got a little bit better. Um, Snap count stayed almost identical. I think based on the number of guys, they don't really have the luxury of, uh, you know, letting guys some, some guys play like four snaps or anything. Um, with Heflin, kind of similar. They, they swapped his usage. They didn't use him in the A-gap at all, but he was primarily B-gap with about half of the snaps coming in at over-tackle, or 50% of whatever. 21 over B-gap, 11 over-tackle. That switched the next week. He was used almost exclusively in week two as a defensive end. A 3-4 defensive end, that is. Chris Slayton did improve, but he improved from hot garbage up to uh, subpar. 29.8 overall grade up to a 52.5. His snap counts went down, but not significantly. 51 snaps to 45. His usage also didn't change very much, so some moderate improvement overall, but not really much change there. Finally, everybody's favorite uh, defensive tackle, Jonathan Ford, Went from a 29.8 overall grade to a 26.8 overall grade. The guy that is presumed to beat Jack Heflin, and I don't know why. His snap count stayed about the same, 31 snaps down to 29. But um, yeah, it's just it's just bad. His run defense is horrible, which is shocking. I mean, all, all of the guys that we have are these big, stout, thick run defenders, and the one thing they can't do is stop the run. I don't understand that. His 34 run defense grade became a 25.9 run defense grade in week two. Moving on to the edge, guys. Again, we're going to skip Ladarius Hamilton. 
He did not play in week one, although he did dominate in week two. So he's off to a roaring start. Highest graded, I think, player on the entire team. So he's only played one week and got one of the highest grades of the entire preseason. Uh, we'll also skip Chauncey Manic because he was let go. Uh, Teepa Naliai. Teepa's been having a pretty good camp. Uh, week one, he didn't play very much, which was very, very weird. Didn't know if that was due to injury or what the situation was. Could have looked at it as sort of a Jonathan Garvin bubble wrapping kind of thing. But the very next week, week two, 22 snaps, and his grade went down significantly from a 65 to a 49. His uh, pass rush grade from a 69 to a 59. His run defense grade from a 57 to a 56. He still did get three pressures on nine attempts, which obviously as a percentage is quite high. But, you know, he had 22 opportunities, nine against the run, nine as a pass rusher, and four in coverage, primarily against backups and get a 49 overall grade. It's, uh, it's a little scary. And it, it, it just worries me a little bit because on one hand, again, we're really hyping up this defense and how great it is. On the other hand, we're looking at starters going up against maybe starters, maybe second string guys, or or if not starters for the Packers, guys that are going to be playing, and they're just not really killing it. I mean, there there really wasn't anybody aside from Hamilton that had a great day. Slayton didn't, you know, the defensive tackles, the edge rushers, some of the DBs that might get some action, Quay, nobody. So it just makes me slightly nervous, I guess. But uh, Jonathan Garvin. Again, very limited usage week one, even less week two from 11 snaps down to seven. His grade went from a 58 to a 64, which, you know, I guess you can get excited about that. He doesn't have a single pressure. Again, not a ton of opportunities. Of the 18 snaps in total, only eight times has he rushed the passer. Um, But no pressures, no tackles, no nothing across the board. So not much to glean. And then Kingsley and Agbar, um, he is a pressure machine. He's had a lot of opportunities, but he has seven, which is some of the highest in... um, in the preseason so far, including one sack. However, if you care about the grades, he went from a 60 overall grade week one down to a 48. Tackling again is a killer, which is real rough because the Packers, I feel like the last couple of years, have done a great job of being a good tackling defense. And there are guys that are really struggling with that. But 73 overall grade down to a 28. Uh, pass rush went from a 68 overall grade to a 57. Run defense is the only thing that went up from a 49 to a 57. And I think I mentioned the snap counts did go down pretty significantly from 45 snaps to 34. Again, nothing really interesting to glean from that. Just it's it's a reality. Then finally, Kobe Jones pretty much broke even. 64 overall grade to a 65. And it was actually 64.9 to 65.2. However, pass rush went down, run defense went up. Snap counts went from 36 down to 28. I think it's entirely possible we can maybe glean something from that. Kobe Jones is obviously a bubble guy who's on a team that, um, I, I don't even know if he's a bubble guy. He's a, he's a long shot guy. And so I think they're stealing away some of his opportunities to give it to guys that are, you know, on the bubble or guys that, you know, like Kingsley, who we know are going to make the roster and want to get more opportunities. Uh, linebacker Ty Summers, a lot more opportunities in week two, but his grade plummeted. We all saw it live. He did not have a very good game, went from a 66 down to a 46. Run defense from a 62 to a 31. Tackling from a 77 down to a 33. Coverage stayed about the same. I think Summers is in very real danger of being cut this year. In fact, I would be kind of surprised if he isn't. He was been around since 2019. We drafted Quay. We've got Chris Barnes, who they like. I think they like McDuffie more. I don't see really any path for Ty Summers. Similarly, there's Ray Wilborn. Um, he got a decent amount of snaps the last two weeks. 30 snaps week one, 33 week two. He did improve, but not anywhere... Um, in an impressive fashion, 26 overall grade to a 46. 
Run defense went from a 53 down to a 37. Tackling stays high. Good tackler. Coverage went from a 29 overall grade to a 60. But again, very unlikely that he ends up making the team. As of right now, he has a 28.6 defensive overall defensive grade. Not looking great. Then we get to Isaiah McDuffie. Um, everybody was very impressed with him. Kind of low snap counts, 26 and 24, which I think is probably more of a, uh, we know he's going to make, well, I shouldn't say no, he's going to make the, he's not getting cut. I don't know if he's going to go to the practice squad or what, but um, 75 overall grade down to a 66, but still fairly solid. His run defense went from a 72 to a 54, tackling from an 80 to a 54. Uh, did add two pass rush opportunities, though. He didn't have any week one. He had two this past week, so they're getting him involved in that. Seems like the Packers are trying to dial that up a little bit. We've seen Quay up on the line several times. We've seen McDuffie starting to come on a few. Chris Barnes, who we'll get to, um, had one opportunity for the first time. I think we were wondering about that being a very real thing for the Packers this year, and it seems to be. Speaking of Chris Barnes, very limited opportunities because I think it's just kind of he's locked into that number three spot. 12 snaps went up to 19. 66 overall grade week one and week two. Run defense went from a 49 up to a 78, but his coverage went from a 76 down to a 54. But the one we care about most is Quay Walker, and fortunately there was a lot of progress made. Very limited opportunities, but his first week had a 56.9 overall grade, went up to a 71.3. Run defense went from a 54 to a 66. Tackling grade of 77. His coverage went from a 63 to a 65, so everything went up, which is good. I mean, he's a rookie, very limited opportunities, but uh, any improvement is, is great news in my opinion. Cornerback, skipping Devontae Cross. Ento did see a significant drop-off in his snaps from 34 down to 21, as well as a significant decrease in his grade, 67 down to 57. However, before we start to say, well, maybe he's about to get cut, he saw an increase in his special team snaps, as well as a 77.4 overall grade. He's a good special teamer. So I don't know what the decrease in uh, defensive snaps means, but they have to be taking a strong look at him as a legitimate special teams stash. Gafford had a major jump in his uh, contributions, 24 snaps up to 35, and it did pay off a bit. 37 overall grade became a 62 overall grade, primarily due to his coverage. 33 overall grade went up to a 61 overall coverage grade. Four targets, two receptions, 62 yards became one target, one reception, 11 yards. Special teams obviously is still going to be important for him. Um, He's still a returner, but I don't know how high up on that list he is. And his special team's contribution outside of being a returner went from 10 snaps down to three. So they wanted to see more of him on defense. He's been getting less and less used on um, on special teams. So I'm starting to wonder if it's maybe not going to happen for Rico. I was very excited about Rico Suave, but I just don't know. Shamar, I mean, Shamar has been solid. His grade did go down 72 overall down to a 62, but 39 snaps went up to 52. He played basically the whole game. I could be wrong, but I, I think he's the next in line, so I'm not super worried about um, him not being used. Does have a 56 overall um, special teams grade, which isn't great, but whatever. They use him. Then you got the last two, which are kind of interesting. You've got Keyshawn Nixon um, not getting a lot of opportunities, which is scary because, you know, he's the special teams guy, came over from the Raiders. It went from 16 snaps only down to 12, but he had a good week one in the slot, 73 overall grade, even the next week, 67, which is decent. Um, Even as a special teams contributor, he only had four opportunities on special teams in week one. That went down to one opportunity in week two. 
So despite the fact that he seems to be doing a decent job on defense, he came over as an ace special teamer for um, Bisaccia. I, I don't really think it's working for Keyshawn Nixon. Keandre Thomas, on the other hand, um, 64 overall grade became an 82.1 overall grade, one of the highest graded DBs, one of the highest graded players this entire past week or even in the entire preseason for that matter. And his snap counts went from 36 up to 45, so a guy that they really want to take a good look at, unlike Keyshawn Nixon. On top of that, they also increased his workload on special teams. Unfortunately, that did not necessarily pay off. He had an 82 special teams grade, which maybe is the reason they really wanted a good look in week two, because it's like, dang, if this dude can do this on special teams, we need to really see what we've got. So they gave him a ton of work on defense, ton of work, or a bunch more work on special teams. Well, he ended up with a 51 overall grade this time around. But still... Keandre Thomas has a legitimate shot, um, believe it or not. And then finally, we only have three safeties that have played uh, two games. Vernon Scott, Micah Abernathy, and um, Sean Davis. Vernon Scott did get hurt, but he still played more snaps in week two than he did in week one. I think he's kind of a bubble-wrapped guy, which stinks because he played 23 snaps. I have to assume he was about to come out. He only played 15 week one. So I'm, I'm thinking he was just about to come out before he got hurt. But he's been average, 60 overall grade the two weeks in a row. Again, I don't know the extent of his injury, but if and when he comes back, he's the next up at safety as the number three. Sean Davis right now is the next guy up, thanks to two injuries now. Um, Savage got hurt. Vernon stepped up. Vernon got hurt. Now Sean Davis is that next guy. Again, very surprised. He's a new addition to the team. I wouldn't have thought he'd just leapfrog everybody and get to that spot, but he's doing it. Um, he went from 25 opportunities up to 48. Part of that is probably due to the injury. You know, he went out there to replace Vernon Scott and then they couldn't take him off the field because when it was his turn, it's still his turn. But, um, run defense and tackling was great, but his coverage grade, which is obviously extremely important, went from a 62 down to a 52. Special teams has stayed pretty stagnant. Um, seven opportunities week one, six week two, and both times it was pretty bad. 44 overall grade, 39 overall grade, 32 combined between the two weeks. But Micah Abernathy is the one that obviously stands out. He had a 70 overall grade week one, which is solid. 22 opportunities, which is a decent amount. 70 overall grade, 77 tackling, 66 coverage grade. Then, as a safety slash slot guy, I guess, he played 40 snaps, had an 83 overall grade, 80.6 tackling, and 82 coverage grade. Two targets, one reception for negative five yards and a pick. So on the two targets, he picked one. The other one he allowed the guy to catch and tackled him five yards behind the line of scrimmage. They also had a major uptick in his opportunities on special teams. He only had four in week one with a 44 overall grade. That went up to 13, and he ended up with a 63 overall grade. So he got better there too. Now, I don't want to overhype Micah Abernathy. I just don't. I don't expect anything of Micah Abernathy. But I don't think he could have done any better with the opportunities he's been given. Anyways... That's it. That's uh, that's everyone. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.